You're listening to the Benchwarmers Podcast Network, and this is Ride the Pine. up everybody welcome back for another episode of ride the pine presented by the benchwarmers podcast network i'm sean sprout joining me as always is adam freeman kenny hudden cameron may is out today he is presumably on a beach somewhere down in florida living his best life i guess uh but we have a good show for you lined up today Fellas, we forgot to mention it last week. We're now on youtube you can pull up and you can see our faces uh so Hello to the world. Um, what do you guys have to say about that? Any any news on, on YouTube? Excited to be on YouTube? What are you thinking? It is terrifying to have my face on YouTube, but I guess it is what it is. It's weird, right? It's, a little it's weird. very weird. It was a little weird. Kind of cool at the same time. Well, it's happening. So, uh, first episode is up. This one will be up soon. Obviously, uh, still listen on your preferred podcast network, but... Uh, Hopefully, we're going to keep churning them out. We're not going to miss 54 days in a row <laughs> anymore for the next upload. Uh, let's go ahead and dive right into it then, guys. Uh, I think first topic for uh, kind of jumping around the horn, um, Major League Baseball halfway review for the 2023 season. So thankfully, we threw away what our results were, or at least our predictions were for uh, the MLB season because they were god-awful compared to what it actually is now. But as we hit the halfway point um, in the American League East, we have Tampa Bay leading by four games over the Orioles and then nine and a half over the Yankees, which I think a lot of us had the Yankees to take that division. Um, the, AL, the AL Central, which is just a disaster in itself. Uh, you have the Twins one game up on the Indians, which I don't think that's technically the right name anymore. It's the Guardians. Uh, and then you have the Tigers that are four games back on that one. Um, the lo- lovely Royals, 16 and a half. Uh, they're really bringing up the rear on that one and pretty much bringing up the rear on MLB. AL West, um, what, we all had Houston, right? No, it's Texas. Um, and then the Angles are in third place, so Cameron is pretty close. They're only five <laughs> games out. Um, and then really bringing up the rear of the entire MLB, Oakland, that shouldn't really even be a team right now. 28 games back. And that disaster of uh, a franchise right now. I, I believe they're still actually moving to Vegas, but it, I have a feeling it ends up falling through, which will just be an absolute disaster for MLB and Oakland. Um, and then the NL, I think the one division that we actually probably all got right, Atlanta seems to be running away with it right now. Um, they're six and a half up on the Marlins, and then the Mets, who I think a lot of us had as at least having a chance, are sixteen games back. Right. Um, the the NL Central, the one that we pay attention to, I would say is probably on par with the AL Central um, as far as being a disaster. The Brewers are 41 and 38, tied with the Reds at the top of the division. Um, Ellie, what is his name? Ellie De La Cruz or whatever his De name is. Yep. Yeah, uh, he's getting all the attention for a rookie, but Jordan Walker's hitting pretty much every game he's played in. I, uh, I, I want to interrupt you real quick. I saw an yeah, article on Twitter. Some lady wrote that she said Ellie or, yeah, De La Cruz should be an all-star. Are you kidding me? That's a stretch. That's a bit of a stretch. I mean, he did I just don't get it already for the first time. That's pretty cool. And, I mean, he has lightened it up. But 
Not for the All-Star. That's, no. But I don't get it. I mean, he's he's a good player. Jordan Walker was more highly touted coming out. But I think it was the fact that Jordan Walker was here day one right. that gave him, gave all of the, you know, whatever accolades or whatever, you know, uh, attention to him. But it really wasn't that much attention. Um, it's probably just because the Reds are pulling a miracle out of their ass right now and being at the top of the division. The Pirates, excuse me, they're the ones falling off the wagon right now. Um, they were towards the top of the division. They're now four and a half back. And then near and dear to our hearts, uh, even with winning tonight, the Redbirds are eight games back. Um, that's not looking good for our heroes. Um, and then the division, I know that we all got right. This this is a lock. The Dodgers, they're going to win this division and then have the Padres right behind it. Right, guys? Right? Of course, right? of course. Right? Who had the what Diamondbacks? Anybody have the Diamondbacks? <laughs> Diamondbacks, <laughs> didn't, Diamondbacks didn't even have this at the beginning of the season. And I just want to point this out. The Diamondbacks have 47 wins. Do you guys want to take a guess at how many other division leaders have more wins? Uh, I mean, I have it up in front of me, so I'll try not to look. I'm going to go ahead and oh. say... I'm going to go ahead and say two. Kenny? Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention, so I'm going to say... Uh, let's see here. The Rays probably have more, and I'm going to say that's it. The Rays have more, and so do the Braves. Ah. And then the the Rangers are tied with 47 wins. Uh, but of the six division winners, the Diamondbacks of all teams somehow are third overall, which is crazy to me. So with that being said, what stands out the most to you guys? I mean... Arizona leading that division is is pretty crazy. Um, hits close to home. St. Louis, 32 wins at this point. Eight games back in the Central. That that hurts. That's pretty surprising. I think, though, I'm going to go with the fact that the AL Central is under 500 the entire division. Minnesota's winning that division. 40, game, 40 wins, 41 losses. Uh, I would love to play in that division if I were any other team. Uh, Kansas City said at the bottom of that they have 22 wins, which is uh, more than the average fans that they get for every single game. Uh, th- that that division is a shit show, and that I I thought Minnesota was going to be better than this. I thought Cleveland was going to be better than this. Didn't expect anything from Detroit or Chicago or Kansas City. That's pretty surprising to me. Bale Central. I mean, I would look at it and say the AL East is kind of surprising because everybody talked about how the Yankees were going to run away with it. And the, the Rays are up there. It's not like the Rays are just ahead of the Yankees. The Yankees are eight games back or whatever. Um, They're eight games back, yeah, but also every single team in that division is, is 500 or better. Like The Yankees yeah. are still 43-35, and 35, and the media is talking about how terrible they are. <laughs> there's still eight games over 500. Well, you know, it. that's that's all fine and dandy because we still got media here in St. Louis. We're talking about how the Cardinals are okay. That's Yeah. I, I, I get it. It's one of the biggest stories of the season. Like, how can this team be so bad? There's only yeah. – I saw a stat last year, so I don't know if it's still relevant. But the Cardinals are one of three teams that had – Two roster players getting paid more than $25 million. Hmm. Basically, you have two superstars. They're one of three teams. I guarantee you the other two teams, Yankees, they're not below 500. And I'm probably going to say it was the Dodgers. I don't know where exactly the Dodgers sit, but I don't think it's under 500. I don't think it's eight games under. 
I mean, what about the Orioles, though? I mean, the Orioles were the team at the end of last year that got hot and started to make a run towards... I think they were close to getting into the wild card a few games out. And now they're fighting for basically, at this point, they're the first wild card team. They have 48 wins. Um, so they're ahead of, really, obviously, everybody in the AL East. But then they're ahead of Houston, who has 42. And that's a team that really kind of flew under the radar <laughs> Because of the Orioles, they flew. Uh, but they flew, you know, relatively unseen. And that was lame, but I liked it. Uh, but now they're <laughs> progressing forward. And you have Jackson Holiday, who was the number one pick last year. He's going to be in the Futures game. And they predict there's an opportunity that he could play this year. Like, that's huge to be able to have that kind of talent that is moving through. And it, it kind of goes back to what the Cubs did a little bit with how they sucked and were able to, to come back. Theo did it a little bit different in Chicago, but that's a really interesting team to me that they have a chance to make the playoffs and they're going to be a dangerous team. I mean, the Rays are going to probably end up running away with that. They have a plus 150 run differential right now, um, which yeah. is absolutely insane. Um, I think the Rangers are like 140 or something like that last time I looked. Um, but to have be plus 150 halfway through a season is ridiculous. But if, you can get a team that makes a little bit of noise coming into the wild card. There's an opportunity they do a little bit of damage in the playoffs. Yeah, the the Rangers are plus 147 on run differential, so pretty close to that. But I mean, it's kind of what Kenny was saying. Baltimore is is the anti Yankees essentially. They're doing the exact opposite of what yeah. the Yankees are doing. Baltimore's been building to this for years. They they suffered through a lot of losing seasons to get to this point. I, it's not really that surprising to me because that's the formula. That's what the Astros did for. Uh, they tanked. Now that they got all of their superstars through their draft, and then they built them up and got them massive contracts. Baltimore's probably going to do the same in a couple of years. Uh, I think the Yankees, the fact that they're behind Baltimore with those two uh, high-paid stars, which I think Kenny is probably what Stanton and Judge are their two highest mm-hmm. on their payroll. Yep. That's a bigger story to me than. Or I, that's the flip side of that Baltimore story. So that's a, a bigger story to me is that the fact that Yankees and Toronto, and the fact that Toronto is below the New York Yankees, still above 500, but the fact that I picked Toronto to be in the World Series this year, I, I, I almost still kind of believe that because they're, you know, they're still 43 and 37, but they're 10 and a half games back in that division because Tampa Bay and Baltimore are having the seasons of like their franchises. Uh, yeah, that's a crazy division. Is it a trend that the high-paid teams, the, the biggest payrolls in baseball, are not doing well? The Mets are down. The Yankees are down. The Cardinals are down. Is that a trend going forward? Is this just going to be kind of a one-off? I could see it being a trend. I mean, you got to realize that when you spend that kind of money, especially when you spend it kind of in, I don't want to say one spot, because they generally have a couple people that are pretty well-paid. But when you spend all that money, you lack organizational depth. And that, I mean, that's really why the Yankees are struggling right now is they've absolutely been destroyed by injuries. And honestly, you could say the same thing about the Mets as well. But it's, you're still going to be able to have comebacks because all those guys get back and they they come back healthy. But I, I do think there's a little bit of something to it that you have these teams that if they, they plan it right, you can succeed. You don't have to you don't have to have the highest payroll to win. I think the interesting thing about Baltimore will be watching them and what they do is that like the Royals win the 2015 world series and then it's fire. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think the only player left is still salivating 
Um, it'd be really interesting to see what Baltimore does. But do you think that depends on the market size, though? I, I mean, I gotta imagine that Baltimore's market size has to be bigger than Kansas City. No, I would imagine they're probably about the same size. And I, I'm sure you get more bleed in Baltimore with like Yankee fans and Met fans than That's down true. you would anywhere else. I've watched The Wire. They wear a lot of Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, looking at the owners, I mean, I think the Royals owner was a cheap ass, but you know, some of these owners sometimes they 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 do crazy things. So. so that's perfect into the next question I wanted to ask you guys because I asked this question to somebody else uh, yesterday. No, I don't even I don't know what that is. Uh, <laughs> what wire? Oh, I, I got another. We'll, we can dive into this in another episode of things that Adam has never watched. Man. Anyways, I brought this question up to somebody else, and I heard it again on the radio today, and I was going to kind of ignore it, but I thought it'd be something we could talk about. What do you guys think about keeping it back home? If the Cardinals traded Goldschmidt, would you guys be up for it? No, I don't think that I would. Like even after no. all of that talk, no. <laughs> even even after all of that talk about how teams with the uh, overpaying like two superstars are, are underperforming, I love Goldie, man. I love what he brings to the team. Uh, he's not the problem right now for the Cardinals. Uh, I would say no, no, you don't trade. But he he's not the problem, but he could be a fix to the problem. Like. It, I, I don't want to get rid of him, but we have a log jam at first base now, and we only have him. We're only having him for another year. If if anybody thinks that the Cardinals are really, really going to try to make an attempt to sign him after next year, it's it is a long shot. I would be shocked, big time shocked, if that actually happened, because I think he's going to be thirty seven when that actually comes around. He's at the end of his career. Everybody kind of you know he's still going to do his normal thing. He's still going to be able to do it. He's still a great first baseman. But the haul that you could get from a team, prospect-wise, might be worth it. You may even be able to get pitching. And, like, we only have really one or two pitchers on our starting staff next next year. And one of those is uh, Steven Matz. The other one is Miles uh, Michaelis. And then you have Matthew Libertor. And then you have McGreevy. And then you have Garcefo. Like, if you can get the prospects, I think i trade him. I really do. And... That doesn't mean you can't come back into free agency and go get somebody. I I would I would say this if if you could guarantee me major league right now, because we've had this argument: is it worth trading for a prospect over somebody who is a who's a good player? Right. I I I, I hesitate to say his name, Randy or Rosarina, um, because now Matthew Libertor has been almost a three year project. In a staff that desperately needs help, I would trade Goldschmidt now. Mainly for two reasons. One that you mentioned, his contract's going to be up. We have a log jam at first base. And Jordan Walker plays right field like a deer that was just born. Like I mean, he may still be a deer in the womb the way that he goes to get some he, balls. It's like I was out there. I, am, <laughs> I, I was never a good outfield. Like, Kenny comparing himself to Jordan Walker was not something I had on my bingo card for this episode. No, no, uh, no, no, but it's fairly accurate, though. <laughs> I'm saying Jordan Walker's feet work is like mine in the outfield. I, the logjam at first base does not bother me with the DH. It, it does not bother me whatsoever, no. Um, 
I, I'm not trading Goldie. I, I Like I said earlier, I don't think he's the problem. I understand the amount, the haul that you could get potentially for him. There's plenty of other ways that the Cardinals could make moves to get pitching. I don't think trading an MVP, the coming off of an MVP season, who, if he gets hot, could have another MVP season. No, I'm not trading him. Yeah, but he's not going to have an MVP season playing on the Cardinals. That, that's just not going to happen. I mean, there are so many more players that are going to get... I mean, you have uh, Ronald Acuna that is on pace to have 35 home runs and 50 stolen bases for the first time of anybody since 1987. That's insane. Like, he is going to win the NL MVP. It's a very rare thing that you get this opportunity. And, like, the, the point that was made on the radio was that the Cardinals weren't going to trade Pujols when Pujols' contract was up. The difference was that the Cardinals tried to, were going to try to sign Pujols, and they made a legit ch- a legit try to get him. The Angles just really wanted him, um, and he wanted to go to the Angles because that's apparently the, the profit that he's a prophecy that he saw. Um, but I, I think that... I think you have to entertain it. I really do. And you're not going to get MLB pitching because you're not going to be trading him to a team like you're not going to be trading him to a team like, let's say, in this situation, like the Reds that generally has pitching or even the Marlins that has pitching. You're not going to get MLB pitching back. You're going to be trading him to a team like like Houston, who has Jose Obreu that made that mistake. And now they need a first baseman to really play first base. You're going to get their top prospects, and yes, that's not going to help you now and probably not next year, but prospects are cash, and you can trade those guys right around to do anything else you wanted to do. But but here's the thing, though. Yes, the Cardinals have not been good. They, they are eight games back in the division. If the Cincinnati did not win 12 games in a row, we're talking about the Cardinals who are four games back. Like, I, I know. I'm not... I am not ready to throw it in and because Cincinnati is a decent team they're not going to continue to win at the rate that they're winning I, I, but I still, do not believe I mean, it there's no way to completely throw away Goldschmidt and, and just say no let's just forget it if 16 games back then I'm willing to have this conversation at 8 games back with Cincinnati and Chicago in Pittsburgh uh, in the form that they're in I'm not ready to say that but what has made anybody believe they're going to be anything besides what they are? The problem isn't necessarily hitting. It's pitching. Their their run differential is minus 16 right now. They have 354 runs scored, which in theory would be second in their division. And looking at it real quick, it's probably about fourth or fifth in the NL. Personally, I think you can, pitching I, you, can fix, you can fix the pitching by keeping Goldschmidt and trading somebody like Dylan Carlson or a Tyler O'Neill. Tillman Carlson and still and Jordan still Walker. have and still have the offensive production that you need with Goldie and Arnott on the lineup. Speaking of Bro Neal, has anybody seen him? Damn, his uh, just going to be on a milk carton. Talk about <laughs> a guy that he he has absolutely lost all value possible because he's not going to go to arbitration. That's not even going to come close to happening because the Cardinals are just going to let him walk. And now he's going to go into free agency, and he's going to get nothing because he has not played. It was inconsistent to begin with, and now he can't even get on the field. Like he's better off just going to go and joining his dad, and being Mister Canada, and, and getting <laughs> it on. I mean, it, at this point, that's all he's got. I mean, it's sad to say he has a ton of talent, and I said it going into this year. He's going to be he's going to be a big factor, and I really do think that's part of it. If you had his bat in the lineup, 
we could get over the fact that we have allowed 370 runs. Um, you know, we could we would have 370 runs. It would make a massive difference. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Anyways, let's go to the next topic we have on baseball. Everybody's favorite time of the year. The ping, ping, ping of the College World Series is ringing. LSU and Florida in the College World Series final. Uh, game one was an absolute masterpiece. Um, a walk-off winner in the 11th inning for LSU. Game two was a slaughter fest. Uh, it looked like that game was played down actually at the Swamp. Uh, I think Florida won 24-3 over LSU. And then LSU returned the favor in game three um, and won their first national title since 2009. I think the final was like, what, 11-3 to or something like that. It was crazy. Um, am I the only one that really enjoys the College World Series this much? Uh, yeah. I I mean, yeah, you and Cameron. Cameron loves it too, so he would he would be defending you if he were here. I Thanks, watched Cameron. I watched two of the three games. I watched this last one. I didn't. Well, I had the TV on. I didn't watch a single pitch because the entire time I was paying attention to the gold seats or the seats right behind the dugout because there was one LSU fan who every single pitch, not every single hit. Every single pitch would stand up and throw his arms up and yell at, at the ump or whomever. And I just saw these two people sitting behind him just getting so frustrated because they saw the, uh, the baseball leave the pitcher's hands. And that's it. They didn't see anything else because the guy kept standing up. That was, that was riveting to me. <laughs> I spent three hours watching that game just watching that one guy. And, and, and the college sports landscape. There are great, great parties. There is the world's largest outdoor cocktail party when Georgia plays Florida. Yes. Uh, Jacksonville. There is the Red River rivalry in Dallas. But all of this pales in comparison to the drinking and utter shit show that happens every weekend in LSU. These people are professional drinkers. They, they're not college football fans. They're drinkers. That's, that's what they do. I was more interested in the Jell-O shot cow at <laughs> Which is one of the best ones ever. <laughs> <laughs> Let me grab some numbers for you, gentlemen. Please. So, okay, Florida, Florida uh, had 4,100 Jell-O shots. Stanford only had 900 Jell-O shots. Oh, come on, Stanford. That's that's those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up. Are you not shocked yeah. though? Yeah, LSU, yeah, true. Sixty-eight thousand eight hundred eighty-eight jello shots at five dollars a piece. Estimated almost a half a million dollars spent in jello shots <laughs> at Roscoe's during the college baseball World Series. Just incredible. That is that is beautiful. That's a that's an insane amount of jello shots. In, it's in a week and a half, right? Or no, it's a week, a week and a day, because yeah. it starts on Sunday and then it goes to the next Monday. You're talking about a group of fans that, if they win a big game, they drive to New Orleans, and what do you do in New Orleans? You stay up all night and you drink all all night. Yeah, like just program down there different differently in the Bayou. Just, oh, my God. I will say, I do think one of the... Mantle or run for his money. It's true. <laughs> I do think one of the coolest things about the College World Series is the environment. You don't get that in MLB. It's 
it's completely different. It's loud. It's a party. It's a bunch of fun. And it's a week long. Like, you don't get that. It's just, it's nowhere near the same thing in MLB. It, to me, it's like, I, I am a way bigger fan of college football than I am the NFL. I'm a way bigger fan of college basketball than I am of the NBA. Like, it's just the atmosphere that you get makes such a big difference. But, but we've, we've talked about this and we've touched on this. This is why right. college sports is so close to, like, European soccer. Because these are your, these are your clubs. Right. right. Uh, you know, if you went to, to Stanford, if you went to Florida, those are your clubs. The, there's pride. The, the pride is different. You have an individual rooting interest, something that affected you for, you know, four years or how, however long. And Kenny's in since, what, seven years? So it's it's different. Thank you. Four and a half. Where, did, where did he go to school? Did, yeah, Kenny, he went to, he went to Mizzou, right? Right. I'm not going to mention that. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, and I do think one of the cool thing that would be in college sports, and I do think we're kind of turning that direction, um, and this leads into the next next uh, topic as well. I believe that pro rele- pro regular pro good God, I can't talk tonight. Promotion and relegation should go into college sports, um, and you should be able to move up, move down through divisions. Uh, which leads us into the next topic is soccer. We're going to go into our footy free for all, not for you sexy freaks. Soccer. Uh, the U.S. men's team played against Jamaica. Uh, the B team is what I'm calling it. I'm going to the Gold Cup games tomorrow, and I am very disappointed that I don't really get to see anybody. Um, but they struggled, right? I mean, Jamaica took an early lead, one nothing, and then they tied it up in, what, the 89th minute, something like that? Yeah, so I would I would probably call it more of a C team for the United States at this point because of how deep that roster is. I was being is. nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they tied Jamaica 1-1. One to one. Uh, Brandon Vasquez gets a late goal to seal a point. Uh, pretty rough first half. Wasn't very great. There were a couple decent performances. I thought Jesus Ferreira was pretty good. Um, he had a couple chances. Or he played a couple balls in that Jordan Morris just missed. Just on a sitter, just missed. Uh, I thought it was one of the worst games Morris has played in a long time. Uh, not a lot to take away from it. I would say 2026 World Cup, there's probably two guys on this roster that have an opportunity to make the team, and it's Jesus Ferreira and probably Zendejas. Everybody else, uh, their time with the national team is 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 numbered. It is, is close to being up. Um, we walked away with a point in the Gold Cup. It is what it is. Kenny. Yeah, and we play some random island on third, on Wednesday. That's true. You know what I will say is, if you want to grow the game, first of all, you need to take your men's national team seriously. Not having anybody in the is kind of insulting. Uh, and two, you can't be playing it while the MLS is playing. Like, I sat outside with two different iPads trying to watch two different games simultaneously. It was yeah. annoying. Like, I. I you want to support the men's club, uh, and, and and obviously the World Cup is fastly approaching. Mm-hmm. It's just annoying, right? Like you want to prove that you're, you know, we talk about all the young talent that should be coming into the primes of their career in '26, and to not see any of them. And I get it. Weston McKinney was suspended, and uh, Dest is suspended. So it makes it difficult, but like 
run ballistic out there. Right? Yeah, the gold cup, the problem with that is is it's the timing of it's the timing that the tournament is played. Because you're not all the guys, all the USA guys who play in Europe they're not going to be released by their clubs because a lot of them have potential transfer moves um, in the works or are looking for a transfer move. So if they go out and they play in the Gold Cup and they get hurt, now you're you're hurting their livelihood and you're hurting the club because they're not able to, to make money off of them. So they're not going to release a lot of those players. So a lot of it has to do with that. The other part, to your point, is that MLS pretty much ignores international windows for the most part and because they don't play on the fifa schedule uh because of where our league is and and we have to play in the summer as compared to the winter supposedly they don't want to compete with the nfl uh yeah it, it sucks but it's like what if they call in pulisic who is rumored to make a move to ac milan uh to get out of that dumpster fire that is chelsea right now you and, dirty <laughs> and what if he tears an ACL in the first 15 minutes of the game and he's not able to make that move? That that hurts U.S. soccer for years as opposed to playing your C team in a gold cup. You know you know what also hurts the team? I mean, just the, the, the sport not expanding, right? Like, they, they always talked about, like, there's, there was this, infamous tour of Messi toward the United States and like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to watch Messi play. And you saw him for like Yeah. Like, the men's national team is what moves the needle. And there was nothing exciting about it. Then again, I, I, maybe it's me, I don't understand the gold cup and, you know, where its importance is and, and whatever. Just disappointing. I mean, I, I do be, think it's... You should beat Jamaica. Yeah, I, yes. I do think it's nice that we tied Jamaica with a roster that is drastically worse than any roster we should ever ever put out on the field. You know, being able to see that team compete, and I do like seeing a couple of the other guys. Like, I do like seeing Ferreira get, get his time and get his get his minutes. Um, he's not going to get him when he gets Burhalter around, that's for sure. Um, but it... it it was a little concerning to see us go down so quick and, and see that happen, but in the end, I think it, it, it'll end up being fine. I think we're going to have no issues moving on, and uh, honestly, we'll probably still come out and, and win the win the Gold Cup in the end, but is what it is. Um, the other part of, of footy free-for-all, we're in the, almost in the transfer window, technically. I think we still got like three days until we're technically into it. Right. Um, but the transfer window this year is absolutely insane. When Declan Rice is going to go for a hundred, basically a hundred million dollars, I got nothing. That no, a hundred million, a hundred million dollars minimum. Uh, minimum, there's, yeah. There's incentives and bonuses on top of that. Uh, right. West Ham are straight up just fleecing Arsenal in that deal. I don't, I don't understand what Arsenal is thinking. That's like their fifth bid for Declan Rice, who is, in my opinion, just decent at best. Uh, this feels like Manchester United uh, going out and getting Harry Maguire for $90 million. Uh, th- it, it's on par with that. Like, why? I don't get it. But what about all these other moves? Like Jude Bellingham leaving Germany, leaving uh, Borussia Dortmund, going to Madrid for $120 million. You have all these players that are leaving Chelsea and going to uh, Saudi Arabia for absorbent amounts of money. 
I uh, we, we we mentioned her, Leo Messi <laughs> going to Miami. I mean, I've 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 watched and I've witnessed a lot of transfer windows. This one hasn't even started. It it might already be the craziest one I've seen in years. Yeah, there was something I saw the other day. I think it was yesterday when I was looking through Twitter that they believe that this could be the highest uh, dollar value that's moved in a transfer window history. Uh, partially because you have a lot of money that is being uh, sucked up out of the desert and being spent for Saudi Arabia. But there, if you took that money out alone, they still think that this would eclipse any record that um, you could even you could even think of because of the amount of money that's moving. And that's globally. Which is crazy because just Premier League alone, they spent like $1.3 billion last window and $765 million of that was Chelsea. Yeah, it's well, and that's because he didn't realize that he actually had to have good players. He was just paying for players. Um, I say that as a Tottenham fan that finished just below or just above Chelsea, but also, it is what if, it is. If you're watching us on YouTube for the first time, uh, you might be wondering why we're doing this. It's because Kenny is a Chelsea fan, and I'm trying to put as many digs into this episode as I can. <laughs> I wrote a note down to make sure I do. That's all right. Your team got relegated. <laughs> no, your team got relegated. <laughs> you know, a little bit of a low blow, but that's fine. <laughs> but it's. It's just insane to me how much money is coming out. And honestly, well, originally when I was thinking about when we were putting this onto the rundown, mm-hmm. that I was disappointed because to me it's like you know how the NFL has all these uh, rules you can't talk to players until four p.m. and then you can't sign them until five p.m. or whatever right. bullshit is. And I'm like, man, this is just like that because it's ruining all the fun that all these guys are going to be moving by day one of the of the window. And then I'm like, wait a minute, it's not. These are just alleged that the deals are coming through right this has nothing to do with the under the table stuff that nobody's even talking about that is going to come through once the window opens and and well, whenever question, these though, finally I, clear oh sorry go ahead I, I do have a question is saudi arabia not playing by the the, the fifa schedule or are they not like because a couple of those have been signed sealed and delivered right um I don't think that they technically abide by the FIFA schedule. I think they kind of—they're not on the exact same schedule that MLS is, but they're playing right now. So I mean, all of the major top five leagues are pretty much done um, and don't mm-hmm. kick off for another what month and a half, two months, somewhere around there. I, I, I want to say. Um, so yeah, yeah I don't think I don't think they abide either. I explained to somebody that the reason why soccer fans have scarves is because it's a winter sport. Usually you have coats on, so you wear your right. team's scarf. And right. somebody, I mean, he stared at me like I had two heads. <laughs> okay, do we want to briefly talk about all the players that are going to Saudi Arabia? Because there's there's a lot of them. I mean, the main two, Kareem Benzema. Uh, I guess we could say Ronaldo, who's been there already for a couple months. Uh, N'Golo Kante from yeah. Chelsea is going. That's... Those are big names, guys, and and yeah, they're they're at the tail of their career. I don't think Conte technically is, um, but those are big, big names, and they're going for absorbent amounts of money. It's kind of unseen, unprecedented. But they're all short-term deals, though. They're all like two-year deals, which is crazy. Or at least they have a two-year opt clause that they can get out after that. So what really like, it really makes me wonder, and we'll kind of get to this here in, in news and not news with kind of how the. The Saudi Arabia is working, how all this money is being spent, but like it, it's interesting that it's all short term money. I mean, even if you want to throw in live, I mean, live is kind of a short term money type thing is that we're going to pay you your money over the first four years or whatever it is, and just after that, it is what it is. We'll see where we get to. 
is that going to be their mentality of, hey, let's just pay and get all the, the attention we can? Because aren't they trying to build towards a World Cup? They are. They have a bid in for a future World Cup, and it, it's pro- it's looking surprisingly likely that they're going to get it. Um, 2030, I believe. Yeah, that sounds about yeah, that right. Yeah, sounds right. Um, yeah, they're, they're all short-term deals. You know what it reminds me of is years ago, China tried to do this. They tried to basically start up their Super League, and it failed miserably and only a couple players went over and they try to go big name short-term deals and to try and get as many eyes and as many viewerships as possible and it just didn't work this does feel a little different though this does feel like um they have more power in the market uh than than china did at the time but i don't know we'll, well, we'll see the, the big difference is, is at least saudi arabia for saudi arabia's advantage is relatively on the same, same time zone as the european you know, that's basically New York to California, kind of, as far as right. time zones go. But, like, at the minute Didier Drogba signed in China, it was, like, gone. gone. I, yeah. I think he was, like, the one player, too, that signed. And to put that in context, when he left China, he went to he, the he USL. maybe the biggest star in the Premier League. Right, yeah. And so now he owns, now he's part owner, and he was a part player uh, for a USL Phoenix Rising for years around after that as well. But um, yeah, let's go ahead Let's go ahead and move on, because we do have a few other things. Uh, news, not news. Adam, you got a couple things you want to talk about. I do. So this kind of goes back to the Paul Goldschmidt rumors, and at least talk of, do you move, uh, move him at the trade deadline? About a week or two ago, um, big headline came out that the Angels GM said that they will not move Shohei Otani unless the Angels completely collapse. Now, he didn't get into what completely collapse meant, but seeing as right now they're sitting mid of the division, got to imagine that completely collapse is probably not out of the question. Are they completely missing the bus on making this deal? Can he? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. Like, I get it. You have to try to compete. You have to put your best team on the field. But I'm pretty sure if I'm a GM and I say, hey, I have what is probably going to end up being one of the best players in, in our generation because he can do multiple things. Right now, he's leading in almost every major league hitting statistic, and he's right there in pitching as well. And he did that last year and the year before you got to get this guy out of here and you got to get the payback back because your fan base is going to be way more pissed off when he leaves and goes to the East Coast and gets a whole lot of money and you're just left there sitting holding nothing. Here, the here's, problem, go ahead. Here's, here's some things to consider with this. Uh, the Angles, a.k.a. the Angels, are, are five games out. They're uh, six games over 500 right now. They are... They are well within uh, the distance. The problem is, is I don't know if they're going to get a wild card with how stacked the AL East is right now. Uh, yeah, so they could miss out on a play another playoff run with uh, Trout and Otani. Uh, the difference between Otani and Goldschmidt, yes, they're they're both making a ton of money. Yes, they're both MVPs. Otani, kind of like you mentioned, Adam, is a generational talent. I don't think we've ever seen anyone be able to do what he does at this level. The package you could get back from him and you should get back from him would be unprecedented. Uh, you have to move him. This is different than the Goldschmidt situation for me. You, 
if you were two games back and you 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 don't have a guarantee that you're going to win the division with how stacked the AL East is right now and you could potentially miss the playoffs while finishing second in your own division 10 games above 500 if you miss the playoffs again with Otani and Trout fire everybody because that's inexcusable so yeah move them absolutely get as much as you can for them the only thing I would say is that I want, do wonder if there is something in the works to be able to get him to re-sign in L.A. I think it would have already been done by now, but Artie Moreno put that team up for sale. And yeah. then he put, pulled that team off the market. i got to think there's something that he, he knows that is like, okay, I'm going to be able to keep Shohei because that's the only reason you keep that franchise is that you have him. Because I would believe that Mike Trout has gone this year or next year for sure. Um it's just crazy. Kenny, what do you think? I think the economics have to be there, right? Because Otani, you know, is not going to just garner $35 million because he does both. You know, you're talking about, uh, who was it? One of the guys tweeted out that he was, like, you could project him as being a $60 million player. Yeah. Like, that's insane to think about. And kind of mentioned that you had two teams that was there three teams that were paying position players over 25 each at two you're gonna spend more than that and one person i mean you you sacrifice the cart for the horse kind of thing right like but he's not just one guy though like he's he's technically not because he does the job of of two guys and he does them at an elite level he does it at a Cy Young level and he does it at an mvp level on the other side I guess my thing is, though, is how long is he going to be able to withstand doing both of them? Like, if it's I think it depends on what he does. I, I really do. Like, I think we, load management is a big thing in basketball. He was playing the outfield for the first year or two. Right. He doesn't play the outfield anymore. He is strictly just a DH and a pitcher. And I think part of that that is helping him is that typically what the Angels will do is that, like, if he pitches on Monday... He'll hit Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, take off on Friday. He pitches on Saturday. So in sometimes he pitches when he hits. I think it just depends, uh, or hits when he pitches. I know when he played when they played here, he pitched and hit, which was pretty crazy to see. Um, thank God I didn't see him, or I guess Trout go yard at the end of that game. But uh, I think the load management helps because he can be a DH. I mean, you really don't have to do a whole lot. The hard thing is going to be is that his his personality, his makeup, leads him to trying as hard as he possibly can. So if he gets on base, he's not going to slow down. Where you would kind of hope, hey, let's let's trot around the bases a little bit. Um, but the arm is the only thing that I really worry about is him getting hurt and, and blowing out, you know, Tommy John or something like that. So yeah, let's just say, to... oh. go ahead, Kenny. Go ahead. If they create a contract where it's like, hey, we're going to pay you this much if you pitch as well as hit. And if you do blow up and you have to have a Tommy John, like, hey, we're going to remove this part from the salary. We're going to have a team uh, opt-out. Right? I mean, there's already massive, massive insurance policies on that stuff. So I, I think that for sure he's going to have to have one. Like, it, it almost would be required. But what I'm, what I'm strictly saying is, Let's say he can't come back. Let, let's mm-hmm. say, unfortunately, this happens, and 
he can't come back, but whatever team signs him, wherever he gets traded to, they, they sign him for an eight, 10 year deal, right? You got to have some kind of opt out. That's not a baseball opt out. Cause I think the baseball opt outs are stupid. You sign a contract, you agree to be there. Yes. Be there. You know, basketball does it too, I think, right? They do basketball, that. basketball. I don't know if they technically do like quote unquote opt outs, but they do it where the player can basically just decide he doesn't want to uh, um, honor his contract. It, it's I don't know if it's a quote unquote opt out though. Um, Regardless, like this is again my push of like have a supermax contract basically for the next two years. We're going to pay you as much money as we can, mm-hmm. and then we're going to be done with it. By the way, so, NFL uh, does that. NFL does that same thing too, but really quickly though, because I we do have a lot to talk about uh, going forward. But if you had to pick one team right now that he could be moved to, they just just throw out one team that could potentially be. Because I personally think there's only two teams that would make the move for him at the trade deadline: Cardinals and the Yankees. Those are neither of the two teams that I was thinking. <laughs> I I think Cardinals. And I think that obviously Goldschmidt's going the other way if that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that it always intrigues me is the Giants. That's the one team that I'm always like, oh, they're kind of right there. I mean, they were in on, or well, I guess they were technically in on Arson Judge, not Aaron Judge. Um, but they're the one that always is that dark horse. They have a ton of money in the pockets. They tried um, to they spend also, big on Correa, remember, in the yeah. offseason. That failed miserably. They're two games back right now in the division to Arizona. Yeah. How long can Arizona keep that up? Uh, they make the most sense to me, and I think if he does get traded to San Francisco, I think he would sign a long-term deal. They make I, I 100% of sense to me. Honestly, yeah. I think anywhere that he goes, he's signing a long-term deal. I don't think I think that part of the the trade, if he does get traded, is that we have to come to terms on a on a deal now, or yep. we're not going to do the the quality of the trade. So let's yep. jump to the last thing in news and notes. Um, so we have sports washing, whatever you want to call it, of Saudi Arabia, but there's a new money investment firm that is starting to take over the world. Right now, they're taking over Europe, and that is America's sexiest actor, Ryan Reynolds, and his best friend Rob McElhaney. Wrong. Not only, not only are they the sexiest team or sexiest owners in European soccer. At least I'm pretty sure that's what we're going with. But now they are jumping into the racing world, and they now own 24% of a Formula One team, Alpine Racing. Is this like the next? Ryan Reynolds was rumored to be part of part of the group that wanted to buy the uh, the Senators. Mm-hmm. That would have been huge. Now they move on to this. Like, I know that there's a whole bunch of other people that, that form this. I believe it's, uh, is it Redbird? Redbird Red Bird Capital, I think is what they call it, or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Um, but, I don't, one, I don't know where they're getting all this money, but this is a big deal. To have guys like this that are willing to put their money forward and I know, Sean, that you you have your own thoughts on what they did with Wrexham and how they basically turned into, you know, kind of as a three-ring circus, just watching them do what they did and really just throwing their money around and taking advantage of the publicity. But now to get into F1, Formula One is massive. It, whether you guys, I don't know if you guys really watch it or pay attention to it or not, but it is becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and across the globe and not just in racing, like sports in general. Formula One is a massive deal right now. 
And now you have them spending this. I think it was about $200 million that they invested into this team. Mm-hmm. Now they're going to be a part of this as well. Like, honestly, I think having guys like this that are investing money into stuff that isn't as widely popular here. I know soccer is popular. I know racing is popular with NASCAR and you have IndyCar. But Formula One is something that is now becoming big. You have Austin, Miami, and you have uh, Las Vegas that are all hosting Formula One races. Um, yep. It's the first country that is hosting, I believe, I believe it's five total races in a year when it's all said and done. I think this is a big deal. I, I really, truly do. Not just for Formula One, but for sports in general. To be able to have a, a group like this that is investing money into stuff that isn't just the Saudis pulling money out of the desert. So that's, I mean, that's kind of what I was going to say, is that what's the two sports that are growing in popularity in the united states and no the answer is not pickleball it's soccer thank god and it's soccer and it's f1 and ryan reynolds is is not an idiot he's a smart guy he's pretty diversified i think he knows what he's doing here and yeah i don't really necessarily agree with some of the things that he's doing at Wrexham. it kind of feels more like a disney club at sometimes but it this is this is big. This this is a big deal. Um, I I I watch F one. I'm pretty I'm very new to it. Um, but there's nothing better than sitting uh, Saturday Sunday morning waking up, throwing on a race, and and just kind of like checking in and out as you go. Uh, I, I like this. I like this for him, and and I'm kind of intrigued to see um, who else kind of jumps onto the bandwagon after him. I think you're starting to see it already. Uh, just. To- point out ryan reynolds while i won't question how dreamy he is not america's uh, property he is canadian um this is true i forgot he's canadian that's a there fair point a reason, yeah, that's a good point there is a reason why rob McElhaney went to ryan reynolds he's the face and he's the money right uh, you know we've paid movie stars a lot of money and a lot of them just kind of sit on or invested in things that we don't realize, like you know, who owns this restaurant, who owns that. Well, yeah, I can buy a piece of a sports franchise. I have enough money now. Look at you know Patrick Mahomes owns part of Sporting. He owns the, I think he owns outright the women's team in Kansas City. Yeah, I think so. Russell Wilson owns part of, um, shoot, what team is that? Is it the Sounders? I don't know why. Yeah, I, why. I think this is Sounders. Russell Wilson's, I said, yeah, part of the Sounders. Yeah. Hell, The Rock bought a whole league. So some of these guys have a lot of money to throw around. And I, I do think this becomes really interesting. Like, Jordan just sold the Hornets for $3 billion. For, I forget what the percent equity of the team was, but I think it was like, was it 51? It wasn't. It wasn't his uh, the full stake of the team. Like I think he was still a split owner, whatever it was. But his stake was worth three billion dollars, and he bought it for just over two hundred. And you have guys like LeBron, whether whether you not or whether or not you like what his his attitude is off the court, he's made a ton of money in his career because of his entire investments, not just basketball, but off the court as well. That's going to be the next group. I mean, Michael Jordan is already in NASCAR. And now he's got $3 billion. I was, I was watching NASCAR this weekend, and he was out in uh, Nashville, and he owns uh, Bubba Wallace and another or another team, or another race car. That came out really bad. He does not own Bubba Wallace. Uh, he owns the team. Yeah. 
that would be illegal. Uh, he owns the team that Bubba Wallace drives for, along with Demi- Denny Hamlin, who's another NASCAR driver. But now they've made the joke that he's now got $3 billion just sitting in his pocket that he's going to go golf and gamble away a lot of it. But what is he going to spend? lost it all at the roulette table. Yeah, I mean, it's all 50-50, red, red or black. Let's try to double our money real quick. Throw it all uh, in red, baby. <laughs> right. But, like... I'm interested to see where he puts his money because it's not going to be just sitting there ready to go. Michael Jordan's going to find a way to be competitive and find his next investment. What does he get into? And then you have LeBron that's coming down after it. And then you have Messi that is going to end up being doing something in MLS. Like it's, it's just crazy to see all these big names that were in whatever realm they were in now spending their money on stuff that is in a totally different ballpark. Like it's just crazy to me. I think this is massive news for sports in general. And yes, Kenny, uh, Ryan Reynolds is definitely dreamy. So let's go to the last segment we have. Unless Kenny, you got one more thing. I my final point is that, that you know we've accused the Saudis of sports washing. Maybe this is a great way to keep them out of the sport. I yeah, that is a great point. You know, athletes and movie stars trying to buy team and guys. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next uh, final segment. Sean, you want to lead us in on this one? So Kenny's been uh, really amped about this for the past week. I would say uh, this isn't this isn't about me. This is about Kenny. Kenny, you have a game for us to play. I believe, correct? I I do. In in honor of AEW's Forbidden Door pay per view with New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, you should watch the Kenny Omega Will Osprey match. We're gonna play. We're bringing it back. The you can't follow me game. Let's Hold go. On. Are we are we bringing it back? Because I don't think we ever actually aired that episode, did we? Nope. That fifteen minutes was released. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> we're we're bringing it back for the first time. Bringing it back for the first half. Just like Ludacris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so Kenny, kind of explain what we're gonna do here. All right. So John Cena once again uh, is notorious for following everybody on Twitter. So I have perused Twitter and found. 20 people that John Cena may or may not follow. The rules of this. I will ask you who it is. You will tell me whether he follows them or not. I will reply. Here is the difference. I have to know the account or at least be followed. So it can't be like some random ass account that you're just like, who is this person? Now, you may not know who they are, but you can ask a question. Because I do have... One that might be questionable, maybe two. So, is it anybody from the wire? No. Okay, I'm I'm good. We're all right. We're let's continue. Okay, so we're basically just you're going to ask us if John Cena follows blank, and we're going to answer. And Adam and I are competing to see who can win. Essentially, Um, correct. I don't have a tiebreaker, so please don't tie. I forgot to get. We'll make it up. (laughs) Okay. Okay, let, let's do this. I'm going to go ahead and uh, keep score as, as we go here. All right. Adam, do you want to spin your wheel to see who goes first? Uh, yep. What happens if it lands on camera? Oh, this is, spin the, again. this is the debut of the wheel. Love that sound. It actually landed on me. Perfect. I'll go first. All right. Adam, would you like to receive or punt? Uh, let's see. I'm gonna. I want to get. I want to go first. Whatever that is. Am I receiving or am I punting? I. I, I will ask you the question first. Okay. Go. This is a sports All podcast. Right. You don't know the difference between those two. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's 
football. We we talked about him earlier today. Does John Cena follow the machine, Burt Kreischer? Oh, that's a yes. John Cena does indeed follow Burt Kreischer. Yes. Pressure's on. That's why I wanted to go oh. first. Does John Cena follow, and I'm going to butcher this name, Fabrizio Romano? Ooh, okay. That's okay, a tough so... one. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say no. He does not follow Fab. You would be incorrect. Oh. Oh, so Adam jumped out to an early lead. Okay. All right, Adam. Uh, let's see. Who do I want to pick? Does John Cena follow Tyron Woodley? I feel like he has to follow Woodley. He does indeed follow Tyron Woodley. I am kicking your ass. I don't feel good about this all of a sudden. Sean, I'm going to get out to so far of a lead that you're just not going to be able to see me. <laughs> John, can John Cena see Darren Pang on Twitter? Oh, that's tough. That's a good one. <laughs> no, he cannot see Darren Pang on Twitter. Mm, he can. You've got to be kidding. Okay. <laughs> Adam, can John Cena see SEC shorts on Twitter? No, I don't think if so. You, There's no way. If you if you don't know what SEC shorts are, it's a comedy troupe. They release a like four minute video every week. They're hilarious. It's not shorts with the SEC logos on them. Correct. Which would be a pretty sweet pair of shorts. If anybody's got that idea, I'd probably get in on that. Nice pair of golf shorts or football shorts. Uh, I'm going with no. I, I see no connection that he needs to watch that. He does not follow SEC. Yes. I'm good at this. Would you like a John. score update really quickly? No, we don't need one. It's 3 nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, does John Cena follow Brad Williams? Brad Williams, like Fourth the former... comedian extraordinaire. <laughs> Wait, who, Brad Williams? Is that who you said? Brad, Brad Williams, the okay. dwarf comedian. Wasn't Brad Williams also a quarterback for the Tampa for Tampa Bay Buccaneers back in the day? Anyway, um, maybe that's Brad Brad Johnson. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. You're close. Uh, yes, he does follow Brad. Sean is on the board. I'm on the board, baby. Here we go. Dramatic comeback. Adam, does John Cena follow Forehands Brewing? Oh, that's a tough one. Best brewery in St. Louis, Missouri, by the way. Yeah. Agreed. Shout out to Four Hands. Please sponsor us. I think I'm going to be wrong, but I'm going to go with no. He does not follow Four Hands. Oh, yes! Has, it's really hard to try to connect the dots on this. Has Adam missed one so far? No, I'm, I'm 4 no, right? Yeah, I'm okay. good. Or 4 to 1, I'm sorry. All right, I'm going to set a record in this game. Does John Cena follow? Coheed and Cambria on Twitter. John Cena strikes me as a rock guy and good and a good rock guy, so I'm gonna say yes. He does follow Coheed and Cambria. I'm very uh, a big fan of your pandering to the judge. Way to go! <laughs> he does not get extra points for that. So but yes, so, he does indeed follow Coheed and Cambria. So should I write down a four there or just a one? You can put one, and now it's four right. to two. Okay, four in my heart. <laughs> All right, Adam. Does John Cena follow the account 
ladies and gentlemen, it's the weekend. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have any idea what I'm talking I, about? I do, and I love that account. It's the same thing every weekend, but it's fantastic. Well, uh, you know what it is, right? No, I don't, but I'm going to look it up. Yeah, look it, it up. It's a good it, one. Oh, I'm not not now. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin the integrity of the game. But it's it's Daniel <sighs> Craig an, uh, hosting Saturday Night Live. Oh, <laughs> the, the, it's, it's the weekend. It's the weekend, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The weekend. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say that he does. He does indeed follow. It's the weekend. Yes, I'm good, Sean. That's five. In case you didn't know. Thank you. I am the scorekeeper, Adam. Just letting just you know. Making sure. Just making yeah. sure. Just making sure for our listeners yeah. at home. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sean, does, does John Cena see Cam Jansen on Twitter? Oh. Sean's getting a shitty list. <laughs> I, I feel like I really got the short end of the stick here. Uh, no, he does not see Cam Jansen. You're correct. All right. Okay. I bet Cam Jansen follows him, though. Hey, this oh, is a lot closer than than you think. All right. You would think that, but it's not. Mm, we'll see. Adam, Hubers comes with John football. Cena follow Dirk Hayhurst on Twitter. Who the hell is that? If you're not aware who Dirk Hayhurst is, he wrote the bullpen gospels. He is the Toronto Blue Jays TV. Uh, oh. TV guy. Bullpen gospels, ball four. He wrote another one. I think this is going to be my first one wrong, but I'm going, no, he doesn't follow him. He doesn't follow Dirk Hayhurst. Oh. I had a feeling that he did. I, I really was like, man, I could see a connection. If he wrote a book, maybe they met or something like that. But, yeah. Continue. I, I thought, That's I six. I thought I was going to get you on that one. Sean, does John Cena follow Rex Chapman on Twitter? Yes. Blocker charge. He does follow he Rex. He does indeed follow Rex Chapman. Right. I, I don't follow Rex, and I see his stuff pop up all the time. So John Cena oh, has yeah. to, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Here comes the fastball inside. <laughs> Tighten your hands, Adam. Uh, cool. Does John Cena follow Dave Wasserman? <laughs> Dave Wasserman <laughs> is the, the political reporter who every election is famous for tweeting out, I've seen enough when somebody has won or lost. <laughs> I'm going with he does. Adam just can't be beat at this game. Yeah. Wow, man! Wow, seven. I'm pretty sure that's a new record. That is uh, seven, Sean. That's. I'm not gonna lie to you. That's impressive. I, I I don't have a lot of shit talking to say right now. <laughs> you got to get this to stay in the game, just so you know. Oh, okay. All right. Does John Cena follow the talented Mr. Roto, Matthew mm. Barry? Yes, he does. Sean, still alive in the ballgame. Let's alive. go. He Way to do right. it. John Cena does indeed follow Matthew Barry. All right, Adam. Does John Cena follow Veterans Community Project on Twitter? I mean, I'm going to go yes. Adam, wrong. Damn, how does he not follow that? The door has been opened. No way. <laughs> hey, wow. That, 
I knew that one was going to be a shot across the bow for somebody. I don't like that you're All just right. picking. It should be ran just down the line. Okay, next time we'll do that. <laughs> Crap. Sean, <laughs> can John Cena see Mike Emerson on Twitter? Uh, he is the owner of Pappy's Barbecue. Uh, no, he's never been to Pappy's. Sean is correct. Oh no way! Okay, how has he how not many, been to Pappy's? How many? How many questions do we have left, real quick? Two. Okay, I have four more names. Two okay, rounds. so really quickly, Adam seven, myself six. Correct. I feel like that's off. Nope, that is correct. Nope. I. No, that is right. Yeah, four. you're right. You're right. Again, I don't do math live on the air. You, right, do, you should not do math, period. That's true. <laughs> All right. Game face on. Does John Cena follow Hayes Fawcett? He is the on-three oh. recruiting guy who sends out all of the crap. I'm going to go no. He does indeed follow. Ah, I should have got that one. That That makes total sense that he does. Oh man! It's John's face. Sean froze. Let's do this. I actually found out that I was not following Hayes Foster while I was looking. So <laughs> <laughs> Oops! Gotta get that one. <laughs> All right, Sean. Does John Cena follow Coach Dugs on Twitter? <laughs> if if you're not, I request elaboration. Doug, you don't know who Coach Dugs is? No. Hold on. This is is a great story. So this all started about two or three years ago. Big Cat created the fattest coach he could on NCAA. I forget which year it was. Named him Coach Dugs and would, like, play through a season on Twitter and then move him to a different franchise or, you know, a different college. Some guy was like, I am the spitting image of Dugs. (laughs) Barstool hires him. And he travels around the country with Frank yeah. going to minor league stadiums and collecting baseball cards. Okay, that's that's pretty true, amazing. True uh, rags to riches. <laughs> and John Cena famously loves a rags to riches story. So I'm going to say yes, he does follow him. We've got a tied ball game. Yeah. Let's go! That was, that was easy. I could have told you that one. This game's All right, Adam. Last question. All it comes down to this. Does John Cena follow Manola? Don't be nasty. I'm going no. Smack the golfing ball. He'll whack at the golf ball. I'm going no. He does not. Yes. (laughs) There's no connection. No connection. So we're playing for a tie here. All right. Correct. Okay. Does John Cena follow? Mike Leach. R.I.P. R.I.P. Indeed. Gone yes. but not forgotten. He does follow Mike Leach. He does indeed follow Mike Leach. John completes the amazing. So mad at myself. From behind, Todd. <laughs> All right. So tiebreaker is this, Kenny. You got your phone right next to you. I do. Pull up how many how many Twitter followers does John Cena have? We're not doing prices right rules. It's just closest to the pin. Okay. 
Tell us when you're ready. Hi, Truman. <laughs> Hold on. So I think last time we I had mentioned that tiebreaker. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up on you a little bit. John Cena has X amount of followers. Write your answers down. How many people follow him? Mm-hmm. To the closest, right. whatever. 100, million, billion, whatever. That's tough. Okay. Oh my god, my pen died. Likely story. Got it. Okay. Adam, you have control of the board. How many followers do you think John Cena has? 1,652,337. Alright, 1.6. Sean, what do you think? What? No! We're gonna... I have it legitimately written down. Why do you gotta make it difficult? (laughs) Okay. Okay. John Cena follows, or has 450,000. In... John Cena has 14 million followers on Twitter. Oh my god, I wow. knew it was high number, but I didn't know what it was really wow. high. Oh, <laughs> okay. Congratulations, I, I feel like crap losing on a tie, on the tiebreaker. That sucks. Well, you should have lost by more, because I should have got all those right. <laughs> great, great game. Thank you, Kenny. Well done. Uh, well. John Cena, please follow us on Twitter. Uh, so, He's going to get uh, tagged. Let's go ahead oh, and... I, I have been controlling our Twitter. I will. <laughs> let's, uh, let's wrap it up then, Kenny. Uh, where can everybody find us on the socials? You can find us at uh, Pod Ride, Ride the Pine on Twitter. Pod underscore Ride the Pine on Instagram. Uh, we're going to treat you out our new YouTube link. Or you can subscribe us at Ride the Pine Podcast. Uh, also, you can at Ride the Pine Pod. Find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you podcast, some crazy guy on the corner. You know, whatever. <laughs> whatever works. Yeah. Cameron cool. selling copies of this episode down the beach. You know, hey, whatever gets it done. Whatever. You know he's hawking VHSs down in Denton or wherever he is. Or... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Uh... Let's go ahead and call it there, guys. Uh, great job. Uh, like, like we said again, John Cena, please follow us. We really appreciate it. Uh, let us know on Twitter what you guys thought of any of the takes. Um, should the Angels um, sell Otani or are they morons? Um, and uh, please like and subscribe us on YouTube now. Uh, cool, guys. Thanks very much and uh, have a good night. See you next week, boys.